Welcome back to the Creek Families Podcast, where we're setting out to equip parents to make mature followers of Jesus Christ in the home. Uh, This is the Wednesday Night Live edition, where we have a recording from the teaching uh, from Pastor Brian, and uh, his topic last night was the certainty of heaven and how to enjoy it now. So here's Pastor Brian. If we're honest with ourselves, just for a moment, so don't think about work, don't think about who you've seen today, don't think about any interactions, just for this next moment, I want you to truly think about what you're about to hear and read. If I am honest, my relationship with God is sometimes kind of boring. Why would heaven be any different? Now, we may not have said that out loud. I don't think I've ever said anything close to that out loud. But if I'm truly honest, I can think of seasons in my life where I'm like, am I comparing how I'm experiencing the Christian walk to the rest of my eternity? And that's a dangerous slope for us to get on, but that is the exact slope that Satan wants us to fall into or fall onto is for us to consider, you know, that heaven is going to be boring. So, okay, so now my Christian life is going to be boring. Our Christian life should not be boring. If my Christian life is boring, that's my fault. That's not on my heavenly father. And that's where I have to take responsibility for that. I mean, God has called us. He's called me to follow him. And to be in this, this place of understanding how just create, how creative he truly is. His creativity is actually infinite. And every once in a while, I need to stop and think about that. Think about his goodness. Think about the beauty of his creation, the beauty of this world and his power that he must possess in order to have created what he's created. And sometimes I just don't stop for that. And, and maybe I'm afraid to. I don't know what it is, but I've got to realize that I should have an adrenaline rush thinking about my Christian life. If you want a true adrenaline rush, here's what you need to do. Just go share your testimony or your story of salvation with a total stranger. You want to get your blood going? You want an adrenaline rush? Start sharing Jesus with people. Because you don't know what they're going to say. And it's like, ah. But that's exactly what we're trying to do here. If we could understand the power that God has, we could experience a life that is filled with these little heavenly nudges. A life that is filled with unexplained, timely reactions. These are called those little, ever heard of divine appointments? But this is what we can experience if we can just ponder just a little bit about the power and the creativity that God possesses and what we're waiting for. And even more so, that childlike wonder. Do you remember when you had the faith of a child? And just, the, just beginning to slowly understand day after day just how powerful your Heavenly Father is. And this is the life we should, be, we should be experiencing right here, right now, today. Realizing that our God is literally stimulating. Our God is stimulating to us. So if our God is stimulating, think what heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be exhilarating. And, and the fact that Satan can trick us into not thinking about that is what stops us, I think, from sharing our faith more because we're not excited about it. It's like I shared last week going to Fripp Island. If anybody will listen to me, I'll tell you fun stories about Fripp all day long because I get excited talking about it. So I like to go there. 
Now imagine if I could flip that over into my mind and be that excited about talking about my eternity, about my heaven, about what, a, what amazing things that we're going to get to do and get to see and get to understand and, and to comprehend. And so that's what God wants from you. That's what he wants from me is he wants us to pursue him. And as his children, he wants us to have a, be companions with him. And be excited about the day that we will be in his presence. Imagine being in his presence is the absolute opposite of monotony. The opposite of being bored. But here's where I think we get the misunderstanding. is because we feel like, you know, especially in this room, we're some fun-loving people. You know, we have a good time. We enjoy ourselves. And when we stop and think about God, we're just thinking it's like almost cold and stiff and, you know, he's too good. So that can't be fun and that gets in our head. And so we think that God is some humorless, cosmic killjoy just sitting out there doing nothing because we're the ones who've come up with laughter and come up with having fun. But the thing is, that is all that God did. We did not corner the market on laughter. We did not come up and create senses of humor. We didn't come up with quick wits. That was all because of who God is. God came up with all of that. But yet we want to take credit for being funny or having a sense of humor. And thinking about it, the real question should be, and this is how beautiful our God is because he loves us so much that he doesn't even ask this question, but this should be the actual question. How could God not at some point be bored with us. I mean, imagine God's watching over my life and watching me do stuff. He's probably like, oh, Brian, you're so predictable. I know you're going to do this again, aren't you? You're going to think this way again, aren't you? You're going to say that again and think it's funny. It's not funny. And he's watching over and over again. He's like, oh, here he goes. Brian's got a short fuse today. Here comes the bad mood. He's not even stopped one time today to think about anything he's been blessed with. I mean, I'm probably really oddly predictable to my creator, but yet he loves me. He, he should find me the boring one, not the other way around. But that's just how crafty what the enemy is doing down here does to us. Imagine, let's be honest, if we could control happiness, let's, you know, full contentment, full happiness, in our little finite minds, we could imagine being happy and fully content for maybe a day or two. Maybe you could be fully happy, fully content, like comprehend it, like really, like nothing upsets you, everything is wonderful. How long could you sustain that? A week? I think you'd be pushing it to be a week. You know, people go on vacation, they're ready to go home after four or five days. So it, that's just what it is. Now imagine... If you could be fully happy, fully content, and sustain that for a full decade, 24-7, 365 for 10 years, how about a month? See, we can't even begin to think about that because we're under such a strain of sin, and we think that strain of sin is, in this world we live in, in our the earthly bodies, it's like a, it's almost normalcy for us to, to be strained by this sin, and that's, that's, that's really all we've ever known is that living and existing in this world where there's always feels, it always feels like something really bad or negative is always going to happen and take away our joy, take away our happiness. And so we can't even conceive 
trying to be fully content, fully happy, and sustaining that for a century, much less a million years. And we, just, we can't conceive of that because that's just who we are. And the sad part is, and I don't know if you do, if I do this, I'll compare, when I think about heaven and try to comprehend it, I'll compare the life I'm living now, today, and try to compare it to the next life. And it's, it's, a, it's a dumb comparison because I'm existing right now in a dark, sinful, death-filled world. Heaven is none of those things. So it's very difficult for me to do that. I, I, I think about the life I live today. How in the world am I supposed to be able to assume what's possible in heaven? But the thing is, we can begin to think about that. But the first thing we've got to do to properly imagine what heaven's going to be like is we've got to take off these this earthly, stain-filled goggles that we use to perceive what's going on down here. There's an albatross of darkness, death, and sin surrounding us every single day. And until we can stop looking around and start looking up and start thinking fully on who God is, we're always going to be stuck this way. And Satan's always going to be trying to trick us into what's right, what's wrong. There was a, and it's on your handout, this is a, a French philosopher, her name is Simone uh, Vielle. I don't know how you say it, but anyway, um, this, she was around in the 20s, 30s, 40s, died in 1943, but she was a philosopher, and her, most of her life, she was an atheist, and she became a, a Christian later on uh, in her life, but let, look how she uh, speaks on evil. Imaginary evil, you know, the kind that Satan tries to throw at us, is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, boring. Imaginary good is boring. Yet another lie. Real good is always new, marvelous, and an intoxicating. That is Satan's formula. If God says, this is light, Satan says, no, 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 that's going to be darkness. And if God says, this is darkness, then Satan will flip that around and say, no, this is light. That's not darkness. That's his trick. His trick is to say and double down that God is the one trying to trick us. Remember in the Garden of Eden? I mean, he's trying to, he says, listen, you can do anything you want. God said, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't touch it. And Satan's like, well, you know why he doesn't want you to? Because it's really, really good for you. And so something that God says no to, Satan tries to figure out a way to tell us, yes. And here's the sad part of all of this. His trick, not only in the Garden of Eden worked, but his trick, fast forward thousands of years to the present day, is working on us right now here in society and American culture. And here's the, the proof of that. This is shocking. For every one American that believes they are going to hell, 120 Americans believe they are going to heaven. So for every one person, I mean, that is some optimistic thinking. That is some positive approach to death and to the afterlife. And so if you t break it down a little bit further, this is where it fascinates me. Then here's the American population. This is, as of this week, 332 million here in America. And so if the ratio 
is 120 to 1. That's obviously, it's like 0.08%. It's less than 1%. Here's how many people of that 332 think that they're going to hell and think that they're going to heaven. 305, 444,000 people think that they are going to heaven. And some 26.5 million think they're going to hell. That's here in America. That's astonishing. And the reason that is so scary is because Jesus Christ, in his own words, taught us something dramatically different. Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 120 to 1 ratio is not a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The truth is, for us to be kept out of heaven is found all throughout Scripture. And I, you know, a lot of you may have heard Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is what separates us from God. That's why Jesus Christ came, because God cannot be in the presence of sin. So he sends his son. And Jesus bore all of the sin for every single one of us sitting in this room so that ultimately one day we could be in the presence of God. And that's exactly where we're going to enter one day into God's presence in heaven. But before any of that could happen, Jesus Christ had to come down and give his life for us. Then, as we accept him and surrender ourselves to him, then guess what? We can enter heaven. Otherwise, and this is tough, but it's the truth. And we, we, we're getting to the point in the, the world and society, we've got to be honest with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our default setting is to be a sinner. So if my default setting is to be a sinner, my default destination is hell. I'm born into a world of darkness and I'm born in this world a sinner. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, now I have an opportunity to change that default setting and to change my eternity. And it's, it's tragic to think that how many people assume that they are going to heaven. And we have to look at this just for a little bit. Ever been to a funeral? And somebody, the, like the pastor's doing the service or a family member or whatever, have you ever been to a funeral? And they said, he was such a good man, took care of his family, worked same job 40 years, helped everybody out, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to heaven. No one ever says that. Every funeral I've ever been to, it's just kind of assumed that that person went to heaven. And the truth is, and this has got to be eye-opening on some level, is Jesus just mentioned in Matthew 7, 14, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a very few find it. So the question is, am I really just going to take my chances on this one? Am I just going to try to play the lotto and hope I've done all the right things and taken care of it and whatever happens when I die is just what happens when I die? Or... This is something that I want to make sure that my, my name is written in the book of life. And how does this get ignored? How does this get bypassed in all of our conversations as brothers and sisters? It never, sometimes it doesn't even give a second thought. 
And, and that's the trick, is Satan has made it look so like almost boring, we don't even talk about it, but if we would learn to talk about it more, I think it would change not just our lives, but it would change the lives of people around us, and we'd be able to share our faith even more. But that's how crafty the enemy is. And I've fallen for it. Some of you have fallen for it. And I, and I truly feel like we need, to, we need to know right here and right now, and be sure that whatever happens to us, maybe in the next 24 hours, and it's possible, somebody in this room, not to get all weird and scary, we just need to know. Looking in uh, James 4.14, it reads, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. So it is the utmost importance. It is the, the supreme chief important thing for everybody within the sound of my voice for us to think about this right now are you sure that you're going to heaven and it's eerily quiet but it's so true because this is the these are the moments when we're sitting in a room like this and we're trying to read our bibles we're trying to listen to somebody these are the moments where you get those weird whispers popping into your head like, you know, try to tune him out real quick. Hey, check your phone, look for something. You know, we can worry about this later. We can talk about this later. These are those moments when that little voice starts to whisper into your ear. And let me tell you this, as your friend, that voice is not God's. This is so vitally important. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us, For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And it goes on in Joshua 24, 15. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And I promise y'all, and I kind of alluded this a little bit, hell is not what society tries to tell us it is. It's not some coffee shop where we're just hanging out, exchanging stories about some of the the fun things we did when we were alive, it will be a place of conscious punishment. And it will never, ever end. There is no hope of relief in sight. And I want that to kind of scare us a little bit. The reality of hell should break my heart. The reality of hell should just make me go to my knees right here in front of y'all and just be like, I want it. Father, I love you. Thank you for my salvation. So, as we talk about heaven and we, and we go through all these questions that y'all have asked, and I'm, I can't wait to go through them because it's, some of it's, it's, it's actually fun and exciting. But before we take one more step, I just feel it's so important that before we, we go any further in this series that we've got to get some things clear and some things certain. How can I know that I am going to heaven? And in the book of Revelation that John wrote, it speaks about what heaven's going to be like. And it's very interesting because you've got to understand the context. This is, you know, 2,000 years ago. So John is, is writing this. And so 2,000 years ago, what, what cities would do is they would literally have guest lists, if you will, like a resident list. And if your name was not on that list, you could not enter the city at the gate because they didn't want their enemies in there. They didn't want people in there that didn't belong in there because some people could be criminals. And they literally checked your name at the gate to make sure your name was on the list. And that's the context for when John wrote this in Revelation. It tells us, that is so small, I apologize. 
It reads, nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter. It's so hurtful when you think about some of the people who have gone through life, and it's been going on for centuries and centuries, and they just hope that they did just enough to gain entry into heaven. And I don't want to go one step further into this series without giving you an opportunity tonight to, to set this straight, to make this right. There's, not a, I mean, there's no magic words. It's not a magic prayer. You can say prayer, it's prayers, and you can say words, but it's got to be your faith in Jesus Christ and your faith believing that what he did on that cross was real and that he was risen from the dead. And because of that, you want to make him savior of your life, but not just savior of your life. Now, moving forward, we want to make him Lord of our lives. And, and we're conscious of him. As, as much as we can be conscious of things, we're conscious of who he is and what he did, and it will change the way you talk, the way you think, the way you respond. The way you ponder, it might change your hobbies. It will change everything about you. And then you will begin to understand and realize, yeah, I'm a child of God because I've given my heart and life to Him. Well, thank you again for joining us on the Creek Families podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that teaching from Pastor Brian. And we'll be back uh, next week with our Wednesday Night Live recording. See you guys next time.